Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast from Pastor Sean. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. Today we, you know, we have about 20 minutes or so to talk about uh, the end of the series that we're getting into in Joshua. Joshua. As we began to pray as a leadership team and as we began to put this series together, we had lots of ideas about where we were going with this. And then God took over. He has changed this series, and those of you who have been with us the last couple of weeks know how he's been changing this series. And this series has ultimately been turned into a leadership series. It's turned into a series of how do we lead? How do we lead from the front, by example, and not from the back? with authority. We learned how to lead our own homes and how as men and women we can be the priest of our homes. Amen? We've also learned that in order to lead, people must follow. We've learned in order to lead, you need to move. In order to go somewhere, and this is important, in order to go somewhere, you must leave where you are. If you don't like where you are today, you need to leave it to get to where you aren't. I'm not talking about physically, I'm talking about spiritually. That's what we've learned in Joshua over and over and over again. Today we're going to learn another portion of leadership of what we learned through Joshua. And it's not just Joshua being the leader. We've learned of the priests there and the families there who all were parcel to leadership in these times. So for those who don't know the story of Joshua, it's really simple. Let me update you real quick. The God's people, they were enslaved in Egypt for a long time. They were whipped, they were beaten, they were forced to do manual labor. They lived under terrible, terrible conditions. God sent a leader to take them out named Moses. Moses took them out, they crossed the Red Sea, the infamous parting of the Red Sea, and then they found themselves in the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years roaming around in the wilderness. They were promised the promised land, a land of milk and honey, life that was better, life that was great. For 40 years, they weren't able to find this place. Moses died. God rose up Moses' assistant, Joshua. And Joshua came to the Jordan River, another river much like the Red Sea, big, wide, long, and flood season nonetheless. Water was coming over the banks. God told him to cross it. And we've been talking these last couple weeks about how to cross the Jordan River, how to get up to it, how to cross it, how to get through it. The difference between Moses and Joshua and leadership styles And today, we're going to learn about something else. In Joshua 5, we did chapter 1, 2, 3, 4. Now, I want you to open up to Joshua chapter 5 if you can. It's not going to be long because I really want to focus on one verse. The name of this message today is provision or promise. Provision or promise. You see, when they went into the wilderness, they had nothing. The clothes on their back, the shoes on their feet, that's it. And they had to somehow figure out how they were going to provide for themselves and live in the wilderness. Within one day, they decide to quit. I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. Not going to do it. Some of them actually said, we'd rather go back to Egypt. God then miraculously started providing for them. All of them. 
Clothing didn't break down and tither. Shelter, a fire by night, clouds, the presence of God by them. He also provided manna, food. He provided them water, food, meat every day. Not too much, not too little. Every day. I want you to think about this for a second. 40 years. So the first, I don't know, couple months maybe, as God's literally dropping what you need down from heaven. is literally dropping it down. I imagine they felt pretty special. Wow, God really loves us. God really is helping us. God's really providing for us. I'm sure they felt really great. As the years progressed, year two, year three, year four, they had children. The children get older. By year 40, I imagine it got pretty routine. I kind of, in my mind, I'm thinking, Think of my own children, Lance and Austin. Say they were born in the wilderness. They were born out here. I imagine it was part of the family ritual, the family job, right? Okay, the Bible says the manna, it came down at the morning time, at, at dawn, when it was due outside. So I imagine it was the job of the youngsters to go collect the food. The Bible said they had to collect it. And so imagine, if you will, Austin and Lance, you know, every morning they'd get up and they would talk about, oh, oh, it's Tuesday night. That means we get to grill the manna. Last night, we boiled it. Tomorrow night, we're going to have quail wings with manna. And the night after that, we're going to shred the manna. I mean, they had to get creative because they had the same thing every single day. So they probably talked about this in the morning, and their job was to go collect it. So every morning, they got up, and they went out and collected the manna just enough for their family or maybe their tribe. Maybe it was a group of them. Every morning, they probably felt emboldened. It was an important chore. Our kids have chores. By the way, your kids should have chores. If they don't, come to me. I'll give them some. They should have chores. So they go out to collect the manna, and the manna this day is gone. The manna's not there. What do you think they're thinking? It's in the same place every single day. It's not there now. So they're scrambling. Did someone take it? Is someone playing a joke? Ha ha, funny, funny. Did Madison come take it? No, no, Madison doesn't have it. Lance, Austin, I don't know where it is. So what do they do? They probably go run to another house. Hey, is your manna there? No, your, your manna's gone too. Our man is gone. What do we do? Does God not love us? Does God not providing for us? What did we do wrong? You see, this is Joshua chapter 5. The verse I want to focus on today is one simple verse. It's Joshua 5, 12. No manna appeared on that day, and it was never seen again. You see, I've been doing a leadership series and talking about all the things of Joshua and about the future. And I tell you, I've learned when it comes to the future, people get scared. They get scared of change. Even me personally, I get scared of change. Look, when I was sitting out in the pew, and for many years I sat in pews right over there by Jimmy. And before I was in ministry, I wasn't a youth pastor. I wasn't trained. I didn't do anything. I just came to church. I think to myself, let's see, I went to work, I occasionally opened my Bible, I occasionally listened to the message or the shine, I occasionally listened to worship music or read my Bible or did a devotion. You know, those things sort of happened. But then I made a point every Sunday to go to church. That was a big deal. Say, oh, my family's going to go to church. We'll go to church for three, four, five hours. I'll give my time to God. That was my life. And when I was called into being a youth pastor, I guess I was a little bit scared that my life would change. My life would have to change. I kind of knew it subconsciously. I couldn't do the same things or, or spend the same time doing some of the things I was doing. I had to refocus. Maybe my groups of friends, maybe my, my lifestyle. 
When I became a lead pastor, maybe I was scared. Maybe I realized, wow, things are going to be very different. My manna, the way that I provided for myself, the way that the Lord provided me may change pretty dramatically. I believe in the midst of change, Kingsway is in that same very midst. I believe Kingsway has gone through a lot of change. Chad is mentioning it up here. The mold is beginning to break around Kingsway. How many of us does that scare? Are we scared when things around us start changing? You know, in every church, it's about the worship, whether it's the worship, music, or the volume of it, or the type of song, or the lights, or the lobby, or the way we do ministry, or the clothes that we wear. All these things are things we look at and wonder, do we really need to change that? This is the point. I want to make it very, very clear. God provided for the Hebrew people in Egypt. He provided for the Hebrew people in the wilderness. He provided for the Hebrew people when they got to the promised land. But I ask you, where were they supposed to be? What did God promise all along? Did he promise Egypt? Slavery? Death? Torment? Was he promising roaming in the wilderness for 40 years aimlessly? No. His promise was the promised land. Maybe it's easier said like this. Do not mistake God's provision with his promise. Do not mistake God's provision with his promise. So many of you, when we had you line up on the pews here and we talked about moving to a new place, we talked about taking another step, so many of you were in the midst of change and tribulation, struggle. In that context, it's easy to want to change. It's easy to say, oh, I don't feel like I'm being provided for. God, what must I do different so that I may have your blessing in my life? But change the script around. Look at the one who's already blessed. Look at the one who's being provided for. Look at the one who says, God, my life is good. Do immediately translate that as, well, I must be doing what God wants me to do. God's will is being done in my life. This is the life God has promised me. That is not true. God's provision was there in all three phases of the Hebrew people, but it was the last one, the promised land, where God had promised them that's where they needed to go. The provision was the same in all three areas. Just because God is providing for you, that does not mean that's where you're supposed to be. Before I became a pastor, I had a good job. I had a great job. Paid my bills. Went on lots of vacations. Treated my family and friends. Lots of things. If I looked at my life and said, God's providing for me. Thank you, Jesus. I need to do no more. Woe is me. Let me walk you through real quickly. Just real quickly, let me do this. Phase one. Let's take a look at it. Phase one. You see, in phase one, God will provide for you even when you're in trials and tribulations. That's not what God has intended for you. He hasn't intended for you to be in trials and tribulations. He hasn't intended you to be a slave to anything. But because of the sin of this world, we often fall as a slave to very much of this world. Amen? The Bible says freedom, freedom was sort of, a, I don't know, an acquired taste. You see, when the people were enslaved, they said when they were set free, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt. I don't even want to be here free in the wilderness. I'd rather be back in Egypt. You know why? Because I'm comfortable. I was getting milk. I was getting my bowl filled. I was being provided. Sure, I was under the master's slavery. Sure. But, I, you know, I can handle that. I, my needs were met. I'd rather be there than be free where I'm not being provided for. 
That's what they thought. They actually went so far as said, we sat around pots filled with meat and ate the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into the wilderness to starve us all to death. You see, phase one is when you're being provided for, but you're still not where God has intended you to be. More than likely, you're serving the wrong master. In this case, the Hebrew people, they were in bondage. They were enslaved. Today, what does that look like? Well, the Bible talks about us being enslaved to sin. It says sin, sin can corrupt us. Sin can put us in bondage. It's like chains and a burden. If you're living a life of sin today, you need to get out of it. Even if you can see and feel God's provision, that is not where you are supposed to be. Amen. Slavery and bondage come in all sorts of ways. The Bible also talks about money, wealth, pursuit, materialism as bondage. It's two masters. We can serve God or that one. You can't serve both. If you begin to pursue all the things of life, you begin to pursue your own entertainment as your chief goal, what you will learn is you are in bondage to it. It also talks about money, just simply that like money. You know, as we think about this roof situation and what's happened here at Kingsway, if we would have took phase one out, how could we have been in bondage or in slavery to this roof project and still being provided for? I'll tell you, we go like everyone else told me to, all the people, even godly people, go get a loan. Go get a loan, pay for your roof. If we would have done God alone for our roof, God would be honored. We'd still be here. We would say, thank you, Jesus. But we would be in bondage to the lender. That's what the Bible says. God's still providing for us, but that's not the way he intended it. Amen. Amen. All right, I'm going to move real quick. Phase two. Look at this here. This is when they're in wilderness and they're being provided for. He's literally dropping down food, literally. He's dropping it down in front of them. God's people say, they were puzzled when they saw it. What is it? They asked each other. They had no idea what it was. The actual word manna in Hebrew, it means what is it? That's what it is. They didn't really know what it was. They'd never seen it before. Phase two is when God provides directly by himself, not using people. Just literally divine intervention. Imagine you just getting, like your bank account all of a sudden just gets the money you need. Not from an envelope, not from anywhere. It just, it just magically appears or at home. Not through a church person or otherwise. I want you to think about phase two. Again, this is not what God has intended. Sure, at times he will do it this way. He needed to do it for the Israelite people. When they were walking through the wilderness, he needed to provide for them. And then they roamed for 40 years because they couldn't get out of their own way. Yeah, and he provided for them. But that was not what they were supposed to be. It took them 40 years to figure that out. This is really important. I want to point this out. When God dropped down his provision from heaven, he didn't literally put it in their bellies or put it in their mouths. I mean, if he really wanted to have a miracle, he could have made them not hungry for 40 years. But he didn't. He dropped it in the wilderness. They need to go collect it. You see, God's provision was within reach. Right? But they needed to require work. It required them to go out and do something and bring it in. And like I said, at first they were saying, thank you, God. After a while, they were probably saying, man, I'm doing a good job. I'm collecting all the food. I'm preparing the food. I'm doing a good job. I'm taking care of my household. Again, what is it? What is it? What it is, what it was, was God's blessing. And you see, what it takes for us when God is giving us blessings to recognize that it comes from God no matter where it is. So many of you may be very content in your life. You may be going out and providing a good income. You may be doing a good a way of taking care of your family. You may be doing this or doing that. You may be doing all of these things and saying, I'm doing a great job providing. 
God is saying, what it is. Your health, your brain. Let me just make it more personal. Every thought I have, every synapse I have, every electronic connection in my brain, every answer that comes to me did not come from my own self. You see, God put me together. He wonderfully and creatively put me together. And therefore, every answer, every conclusion, every deliverable, everything I do for work that comes out of this body is by God. Do you understand? And therefore, I must recognize what it is. It's God's inspiration. It's God's support. It's God's help. God intends to provide for me, yes, but my job is to recognize what it is and say, thank you, Jesus. And the people, the Israel people, they did the same thing. But then it happened. Their life went upside down. Tell me today, was it the center of your life? And what if it disappeared? Gone. What if it wasn't there tomorrow? What would you do? How would you react? This is what we see in phase three. Joshua 5.12, no manna appeared on that day. What was that day? The day they first ate from the crops of the land, and it was never seen again. This is so important. This took me a while to understand. There are people who say, I don't need to go to church. I can worship in my car. I can read my Bible. I know lots of these people. I can watch TV at home. What's the point of church? Church has all its preferences and all its problems and drama. Why does God need a church? God needs a church because it's part of phase three. God doesn't want us to live in sin. God doesn't want to provide for you in isolation. God wants you part of a family. He wants you part of a community, and he wants to use that community, he happens to call the church, to meet needs through it. He wants to provide for this community by working through the church. He wants to provide for this church by working through you. Do you understand what I'm saying, church? Let me put it in roof terms real quick to make sure it's real clear. We could have gone in bondage to a lender and took a loan and had to deal with that. Or we could have said, well, God will just provide for the roof. One day it'll just stop leaking. And you know, for a long time it did. It really did. It's just stopped leaking. The holes are still there, but it wasn't leaking everywhere. And we wondered, wow, this is great. God is providing for us. And many people didn't want to upset that apple cart. They had seen, they had seen the blessings of Kingsway over the years. And they had said, wow, once upon a time, Kingsway was great. And now I'm not seeing quite the revivals every weekend. And people aren't slaying the spirit and getting prophesied over every week. It's happening more like once a month or once a year. And that's okay. And God's providing for this building. That's okay. Let's not upset the apple cart. God's providing. God's providing. That is not where we are supposed to be. And when we got a hold of it, some of us did. Some of us said, wow, wait a minute. If God just puts a roof on this building without my help, what am I going to have to do with it? So God called so many of you and said, will you cross this Jordan? Will you invest in this roof project? Will you help? And not just money, but labor and otherwise. Will you help? Will you somehow allow me to provide through you? And some of you donated money you probably didn't have right away or didn't know where it was coming from. And God has shown so many of you, phase three, of how he can work through you. Make it very clear. Prayer is not a substitute for preparation. Faith is not a substitute for hard work. 
You must still work hard and prepare and use what God has given you. That is his intention. When they moved to the land of Canaan, God began to bless them in all sorts of ways. But when he blessed them, there was a lot of work to do. They had to go and they had to cultivate their own land. They had to get their own uh, crops. They had to do all the things that they never knew how to do. They had to do it a different way. And that is the last point I want to make for you, for me, and for Kingsway. You see, it says right here, so from that time on, the Israelites ate from the crops of Canaan. This is an extremely powerful verse. You may say it doesn't even mention Jesus. There's no blood. There's no forgiveness. What is this verse all about? From that day on, from that time, the Israelites ate from the crops of Canaan. Canaan was the promised land. It's where they were supposed to be. But let me explain one thing, and hopefully this will cement what I'm saying here about provision and promise. That was the promise. In order to get provided for when they came there, they had to change everything. Canaan was an enemy land. There were people in there they had to fight. There were cultures they didn't understand. There were languages they couldn't communicate with. It was an ungodly land. The promised land was an ungodly land. This is where they were called to, an ungodly land where they had to eat different food and work very hard for it, where they had to probably dress different because of the climate, where they had to talk different, where they had to probably fight the enemy in a different way. Where has God called us? Has he called us to come to church every Sunday and meet with everyone, have baby dedications and honor people and walk out? Is that, is that, is that the promised land? No, that's the wilderness. And many of us are very content. But when we walk out those doors, the moment those doors open, we step foot into the land of Canaan. It's enemy land, but it's land we're promised. We are called to be in it, but not of it. We are separated out of the ungodly country to be godly people. And in order to do that, we must think about talking differently, dressing differently, maybe listening to different music, maybe singing differently, whatever we need to do to be relevant in the culture, but we need to fight sin. And that's what they did. And when they did these things, God blessed them. They took over Jericho. They took over all the lands. They became the mightiest nation in the world. Church, do you understand what I'm saying? That God has promised us. He's asked us to be laborers for the harvest. He's asked this church to take a hold of its promise in this community, but we must change in order to do it. And if we are comfortable because God is providing for us now, walking around the wilderness, I will tell you that that is not the promise. The promise is to reach lost souls. The promise is to expand the kingdom of heaven. The promise is to see people's lives transformed. If none of you are sinners, then we're talking to the wrong people. Amen? The promise, Lord, is for us to get to heaven and see all the people we've had an impact on in our lives. Amen? And that tells us that if we're simply happy because we're being provided for today, we better take a very good look at where he's promised us and how he needs to provide for us in the future. Amen? We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Sean. It was not by chance you listened to it. God is speaking to you. Visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean. We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.